Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast coming to you and in our normal time slot Friday eve or uh, Thursday evening, Friday morning for those who listen in the morning. Uh, brought to you tonight by not only our great partner at Bet Online, not only by Blue Chew, but also I want to talk about uh, quickly a new podcast. Uh, by Sue Bird, one of the greatest women's basketball players of all time, and Megan Rapino, one of the greatest women's soccer players going today. Their podcast, A Touch More, is now a part of the Blue Wire family. So just want to shout them out. Uh, it's a pretty interesting uh it's a pretty it's, it's a it's an interesting idea of taking uh, an instagram live uh chat and turning it into a podcast so shout out to them shout out to blue wire for uh getting them on board uh can't wait to listen to more of them um and also uh to uh, just want to say what's up to uh to john uh, it feels like uh even though we do this once a week, it feels like twice a like, week. Twice a week now. Well, yeah, twice a week. We we, <laughs> we we generally record once a week, and we save a couple of things. But uh, but yeah, the 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 Monday show has not been live yet. We 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 may go live. It's just we have a lot of stuff that we talk about on on uh, Thursday night. But it feels like uh like it's like so many days in between. But it, when when you and I chit chat, whereas in the previous days where we we were not quarantined it felt like we were chatting very often i know man i'm just so exhausted now it's like hard to find time to get a minute for yourself to even do that you know and it's just you know getting away just there's no getting away i've just been stuck here i'm going i'm going nuts the website on the website this week we've had uh, lots of essays and pieces about who everyone's first favorite wrestler was the person who kind of hooked them into professional wrestling to set the tone to become the fan that they are today and i've been enjoying reading a lot of those pieces as i edit them and put them up and and the one that uh, yours uh, on Lex Luger, which I would you know advise folks online to to check out, the thing that stuck with me and it actually made me laugh is when you were talking about how during the match with Flair, how you were so nervous and you were pacing and your dad's looking at you like, dude, chill out. Like that really resonated with me because that was definitely me, you know, in like, you know, as a, an 11 year old as well. Like that was that was so real as a young wrestling fan. And I, it kind of made me think like, you know, I imagine like that happened to all of us. Right. Like that was kind of a thing that happened to all of us. Yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that day. Just, just I remember just being because you know, like I didn't understand like 
back then. I, every, every match was to me. Well, I didn't think it was real, but I, you know, every match I thought anyone could win right back then. So, you know, Luger's getting the title shot. So I'm like, this is going to be it, you know, right here at, at Wrestle War 90 is when he's going to win the championship. And I was nervous, just like uh, the nervous uh, when, the, when the Giants went to the World Series in 2010. <laughs> That's how nervous I was. So, <laughs> so man, it was a lot of fun uh, writing that piece and reliving that memory. And it's like, when I think about Lex Luger, I just think about that that pay-per-view, Wrestle War 90, and how important that match was to me. And, and you know, it just kind of... You know, just kicked in my fandom and look at me now. Now I'm talking about it on podcasts and doing booking and they used to book and all that kind of stuff. It's crazy. Yeah, the um, uh, my post will be up Friday, so probably when when people listen to this, maybe a little bit after, uh, and then we'll have a group post. Uh, a lot of the folks who are part of our Facebook group. They didn't want, you know, those who didn't want to write a full piece, I allow, you know, I just asked them, give me a couple sentences, we'll put together that kind of a group thing. So those two will be up uh, on Friday. And also, if you've been following uh, all the stuff that Robert Silva's been doing, just some excellent work. He's he's talking about his uh, top five featherweights of all time, and he's also writing about his greatest fights of all time. So also on Friday will be greatest fights of all time, uh, 45 through 40. So those uh, you'll have to look forward to on Friday on fightgamemedia.com. Uh, so... On Monday, uh, Jason Hagholm and I talked about Money in the Bank and UFC. So if you haven't heard that show uh, and you and you want to listen to us talk about that, go ahead. It's it's in the feed already. And next Monday, as John said, we're doing two shows a week from here on out for the time being, just to kind of test it out and see how it goes. Uh, we will have our continuation of the We Want Flair uh, series on Hogan versus Flair from WCW in 1994. We will talk about the Bash the Beach 94 and then kind of the aftermath of that leading up to the Clash of the Champions. And then the following week, we'll talk a little bit about that Clash match leading up to Halloween Havoc. And, uh, and then we'll talk about that Halloween Havoc match. So we still have lots of stuff to go there. Um, And then also on Monday, Robert Silva, the aforementioned, uh, he's going to come back and talk about the 15th anniversary of Corrales Castillo, which is one of the greatest fights of all time. A lot of lot of sadness uh, in, in that story of in the story of that fight as well. Uh, he he will uh, he will be on and we'll, and we'll chit chat about that. He, <clears throat> I wanted him on last week because it would be closer to the actual anniversary, but uh, last week we were so we were so booked with stuff. So um, he will be back, and then possibly uh, I'm not going to promise. Uh, I'm going to cross my fingers and say that that this can happen. Uh, a review of the first two episodes of the new Undertaker documentary on Monday as well with somebody who is a part of the Blue Wire Network and who also has a podcast covering wrestling. So crossing my fingers that that happens. And and uh, if it does, then, then you'll definitely hear it. Okay, so all of that out of the way. Let's talk about what I think is like the big news of the week. Um and and it's got to be Becky Lynch is pregnant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, right now, the person who is actively wrestling 
their biggest star is leaving television for the time being and maybe for longer. Like she is their their biggest star on television. You got no Roman Reigns, you got no Brock Lesnar, obviously no Ronda Rousey. It's 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 Becky and she is now going going to be gone for quite a while at least. Yeah, yeah, it's it's big. It's big for them and congratulations to her and um and Seth for on their uh on their pregnancy so that's that's really cool yeah but it's a tough for business standpoint for we just uh you know lose their big star on television right now okay did you watch the raw segment yeah yeah i did yeah what did you think about the segment in general with becky announcing the pregnancy and then them handing asuka the championship uh she won the money in the bank briefcase and then becky opened the briefcase to show the title handed it over to asuka she is the new raw women's champion i like that they did it to where as a surprise for you know the people competing in that money in the bank didn't know it was actually for the vacated championship so instead of like just handing her the title like she still kind of earned it right she earned it by winning that ridiculous match so i think that i thought that was cool i like i liked it i thought it was fine you know oscar's still in her whole character of, of being wild and crazy and um so it looks like she's gonna be a baby face now which is you know they need someone on the baby face side so that's so I, yeah, i thought it was fine i thought it was good my wife watched it and she liked it too so I I had issues just with the fact that it was, um, you know the the for me this is this is really a big deal for me is is the no no crowd stuff just makes it feel uh, a little bit more uh, a little bit more hard, fake a little bit more fake to me and it's 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 like it's like um I look at it as like a stage play right like if you, if you're watching a stage play. And someone just gives us a great performance and the curtain goes down and then the crowd applauds. In this case, you have Becky Lynch giving this really emotional promo and the curtain goes down and nothing happens. I, and I have a problem with that. That is the game that we are in right now. That is that is the 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 situation and, and they can't do anything about it. I would have rather them not do it this way because of like i like i think she probably wanted to do it like this because it was a, it was a way for her to say goodbye to her fans in the camera she mentioned you know she when she goes back on the ramp she waves back to the camera and says she's gonna miss the fans but like i i think to to something you know our favorite tv show or something you know uh mm-hmm. if you if you were to watch uh modern family and, uh, you know, Sophia Vergara gets pregnant. Like, she doesn't announce on the show that she's she's pregnant. And so that's that came off a little weird to me. Like, I, I like it. But, but the other thing is, is we've never seen that before, right? There have been very few women wrestlers who have been the same stature as Becky Lynch to then have to leave television. Um, you know, this is the the what Triple H declares as, you know, reality wrestling or whatever, like the reality era. I just like I, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking like, OK, yeah. So, you know, 20 years ago, what would Vince do? He probably wouldn't have done it this way, though. They now feel like they have they have to present the the superstars in, in this fashion. So I get that part. I thought Becky was really good with her emotion. But when it's like in that moment, like I think back to um, 
Daniel Bryan retiring uh, in, in his hometown, right? That that one time. And like that, that was such a great promo. And then you had the fans there. And so I'm waiting for Becky and I'm like, Becky, this is great. And then when you do it with no fans, then you're like, oh, like that was such a moment that that should have been. So I, 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 I don't I mean, I don't know if that was the, the, the right thing to do or not. Uh, but without the fans, it came off um, a little a little sad for me for her because because I know she would have wanted that. Now, the Asuka part of this, I think, is okay in another era. And in, 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 you know, again, Vince McMahon 20 years ago, I think people would have been a little frustrated with this. But then again, like, you know, there, there have been other situations where um, and, and we'll talk about this in, in the in the dark side of the ring segment when we when we discuss that which is you know titles changed hands for you know and that actually didn't have matches so if you're gonna look at it that way i it's okay but um i i would have liked to see asuka and, and shayna have a match but then maybe shayna has to lose and they don't want her to lose i imagine they're gonna have some sort of uh some sort of a title feud now which should be pretty good. I mean, if anybody's going to get a really good match out of Shayna, I think it, it will be Asuka. So, you know, it, it's it's not a perfect, it wasn't a perfect segment, but it couldn't have been because of the situation. And and I really, it's one of those, another moment that I said, I, I really wish I could have seen this the way that they would have done it in front yeah. of fans. It would have been more effective. I mean, that's going to be like that for a whole year, though. I mean, that's, we're going to be saying that every show. Like, this would have been great in front of fans. It's just going to be... It's just a reality right now until yeah. until we can get this cleared. And you know, if people have an issue with Oscar winning it the way she did, I hope they. I mean, she still won a match. Like I said, as silly as, as it was, um, and look, it wasn't. It was, if it was a better match and if it was not a joke mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. match, then maybe I would feel. I would. Yeah. I probably would feel different. Yeah, I hated that match. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely hated that match. That's just, ugh, it's very frustrating to watch. Um, okay, so let's take a quick break um, so that we can talk about our friends at uh, Bet Online. And you know, the, the one thing about about Bet Online that that when I read the uh, when I when I read the the the, um, the piece here is with uh, Survivor's done. So I Uh-oh. no more betting on Survivor. They just finished their finale, which was excellent. What a, what a great season of reality TV. But uh, let's talk about our friends from Bet Online. So with currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on, but you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on from their online casino to poker and blackjack they're bringing vegas to you missing the nfl no problem bet online has live daily madden nfl 20 simulations you can bet on you can still bet on survivor actually no you can't it just ended so no more betting on survivor uh big brother i think is also out too because the the big brother in uh, in canada they 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 stopped the show uh american idol still going on so you can bet on american idol stock prices and even the nathan's hot dog eating contest all open 24 hours a day and all online they should really talk about the ufc because the ufc is back uh, I, uh, and I lost money on, uh, on UFC 249, but there was Ooh. a show. Yeah, I, I lost money. There was a show last night, uh, Wednesday night, and then there's going to be a show this weekend. So 
there's a, there's an opportunity to uh, to get to get your betting going. Uh, so go to betonline.ag, use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering solution. All right, so let's talk about, quickly, because this wasn't a super newsworthy segment. It was kind of a fun uh, fun episode, but uh, Dark Side of the Ring, The Road Warriors, what were your quick thoughts on the episode? It was, it was a fun episode. Um, I liked seeing all the old footage of the Road Warriors and a lot of this stuff I already kind of knew about already. So nothing was really, really new and in any information other than, you know, I didn't know about, you know, Paul Ellering stuff was really good, especially when he talked about at the end, he talked about getting the old van and driving it down the same van that he used to drive the, the Road Warriors around and, and, you know, spin knowledge to them about the wrestling business. And when he found out Hawk died, you know, he, he told his wife he had to get the old van out and drive to his uh, his funeral. But other than that, it was just kind of, it was just, it's like Animal was kind of, it's more like putting over Animal the whole time. Mm-hmm. That was a good one. He was kind of wild. And, you know, I, I, I'm I sure Animal might have been more the level head of the two, but I'm sure he fit to his fair share of craziness as well. And I, I know you mentioned about the steroids in our, in, our, in our group too. Like they, something they didn't even touch on just like once that they quickly said, steroids and it was animal who said it and he just kind of like quickly said it as fast as he can get it through (laughs) out of his mouth you know he didn't want to really focus on that yeah i think the reason why i was a little bit frustrated with that is because their entire gimmick was based on their physiques and their power and also the way that they looked right they had the the shaved heads and the mohawks and the, the the double mohawk or whatever um whatever animal called it uh, and and their promos were different and they were, you know, kind of crazy, but it really was the physiques and to not talk about that and to just pretend that all all Hawk did was take, you know, street drugs and uh, prescription drugs and, and that was, you know, an alcohol like it's almost like the way that Hawk talked about those things is that they were just like, you know, that was those things are okay because those are just part of the business, but we can't talk about the steroids because <laughs> yeah. that's kind of the stuff we have to kayfabe. And I just, I just hate that part. Like, I just like, you know, if you're gonna tell the story, like, tell, tell the story. And you know, these guys were were very much a part of that. Um, and and they're they're coming up at the same time that what makes Hulk Hogan Hulk Hogan, right? Like he's also big time and he's huge and gigantic and the 24 inch pythons. And so it's all, it's all part of the same thing, you know, rude. They, they talked about all the people from Minnesota, you know, Rick rude, Scott Norton, um, Nikita Koloff, Barry Darso, you know, all of those guys were just gigantic guys. And part of what made them so cool as wrestlers was their physiques. So, I just thought it was uh, it was a little bit untruthful when it came to that part, um, but those guys, right? Like they're they have so much charisma. Maybe Hawk a little bit more than the animal, but those guys were really, really uh, the charismatic. They came out on the TV screen. They looked different. And, you know, alongside uh, the Rock and Roll Express and the British Bulldogs, they're, you know, my favorite tag team. Those are my three favorite tag teams of all time. So it was really fun to watch that stuff. It's just the lack of steroid talks kind of like, ah, like, could you guys have just gone over it a little bit just so I didn't have to think about that part? 
That was pretty cool. They showed the uh, Hellraiser stuff from New Japan with Kensuke Saki as Power Warrior. I thought that, I didn't expect that to make it in the in there too much, and that was kind of cool showing footage of them and stuff. I so is that. is the real story that Hawk and Animal were on the outs, and Hawk was just like, "Oh, I want to keep doing this thing," and I'm I not think Animal was the guy. I think Animal was pretty pissed that he did that. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. That is a true story. Yeah, he was pretty upset. Um, I he didn't make his. He did like one match in Japan with the Beverly Brothers, and as a handicap. But he actually sounded like he. That's he just took all the bookings and wrestled handicap matches. Um, I mean, he might have done a few more than just that. But I know like Crush. They put Crush with him um, during that time in '92 as a uh, as a Road Warrior, basically or Legion of Doom member or something like that. They were testing that out in house shows and stuff. So, um, but yeah, with no Hawk. I mean, what are you going to do with Animal, right? But it's funny you say like, you know, Hawk had the more charisma, and that's true. But when I was a kid, Animal was my favorite, mm-hmm. too. I love I, mean, I, I could I could totally see that. He was, you know, he he was kind of cleaning things up at the end and uh, the matches and power slam, like amazing yeah. power slam. And that that the physique, man, those shoulders and those traps, he just, he just looked awesome. Plus, he had the, I always thought the cooler face paint, too. <laughs> okay, can you explain... The, where the name the Legion of Doom comes from because I think they screwed this up on the show. Well, the Legion of Doom was a heel stable in Georgia. It was Paul Ellering um, was, of course, the manager. He might even still... Re- I don't know if he was in wrestling then. Maybe he's just a manager. It was King Kong Bundy, Jake the Snake Roberts, and it was the Road Warriors, the Legion of Doom. Now, Legion of Doom is a He-Man thing, so I don't know if... I'm trying to remember. I, I'm pretty sure they were Legion of Doom all, as all together. I don't think I don't think it was King Kong Bundy then before. I think as a group, they were the Legion of Doom as a heel stable, I believe. Okay, because I always thought the Legion of Doom was a um, DC Comics thing. Um, I thought He-Man was. I don't know. It, it might have been. You're right. You know what we need? We need uh, Tom Caster on. The- <laughs> he could clarify that in a second. Um, but yeah, I thought, I mean... I- was it He-Man or DC? D- oh, Legion of Doom could have been the... Is it the heels in DC with Lex Luthor okay, on Okay, let, let me read something because I just looked yeah, it up yeah. on Wikipedia and it says, Black Manta, Giganta, Toyman, Riddler, Bizarro, Scarecrow, Lex Luthor, Captain mm-hmm, Cold, yeah. Cheetah, Solomon Grundy, Gorilla Grodd, Brainiac, and Sinistro made up the Legion of Doom. In Sounds like the NWO in 19... 19- <laughs> just like uh, NWO black and white, NWO red and black. Just so many members, man. I know. There's definitely some Legion of Doom B team members. Yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, so then I guess I guess the other thing was um, so there's a there's a part that I had kind of screwed up when when I was talking about it on our Facebook page. So Hawk gets this. Is, I didn't know this. I didn't know Hawk was actually messed up during the match uh, at SummerSlam '92 at Wembley, because they did not do their finish. And you know, sometimes you just you just wonder. Oh, you know, maybe they they just decided to do whatever. But Animal actually wins with the power slam. They don't do the clothesline uh, off the top, and and so it looks like they change the finish. And then Animal says that Hawk just goes AWOL, doesn't come back, and then uh, quits. And so I was like, I was almost sure 
that Hawk was one of the steroid failures because everyone is failing for steroids or or for HGH, whatever, right? It's like Warrior, Bulldog, all around that time. But in fact, the, the I'll give credit to the dark side of the ring. They got that story right. He just left. I mean, he was suspended or he, he got hit for steroids earlier that year. But the reason why he didn't come back was not because of a steroid failure. So I was actually incorrect. And dark side of the ring got that story correct. Yeah, yeah, he never showed up, and and that was it. And he just that was that's just crazy, man. You see, and I didn't probably, I probably didn't realize it that he was. I don't think I ever realized that he was out of it during that match until they showed footage. And and you know what that that show also showed that in hindsight, uh, the the hawk drunk thing on uh, in WWF was like so stupid. Yeah, I you know what is funny? I didn't really get it when it happened. No, I thought it was dumb. I was like, why are you going to take these great, like, not not only, like, were they, um, I know, look, I know they're not WWF creations, right? But these aren't just great uh, historic performers. These are, like, Hall of Fame dudes. And then you just make that. I also wonder, like, why they allow, like, I mean, obviously to, so that they would get paid, but why did they allow that to happen? It was so yeah. silly. And they're, like, so easy to book. Like, how can you not book these guys? It's just easy. Just how the rotors booking the rotors easy. Just just have them beat people, and and you can always do an injury angle if you want to like have them lose the titles or something like that. You can always get creative with having them lose, and and you don't even need them on TV as much. You know, make them as special attractions as much as you can. Still, ah, uh, yeah, they 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 WF never never really. I mean, I know they had that one year, but other than that, I don't think they really reached their their potential. Or what they could have offered the WWF, in my opinion, you know. Yeah. So, um, the one thing that they could have added that they didn't, I don't even know. If, do you remember when they came back for one night, and I think they had to face RVD, mm-hmm. and who, who was RVD's partner? Was it Kane. Kane? Yeah. And they lost in like three minutes. Yeah, something like yeah, yeah. yeah. There was a quick match. Yeah. I think I think the idea was is they were gonna have a longer match, but there was an Austin promo that went a little long, so they had to like chop off like almost the entire match, and and uh, and then and then so it was like a three minute squash, and then Hawk wants to kick out of uh, RVD's finish at the end there, so yeah, kind of weird, um, but yeah, that that was another sad part of it. It's like oh no, like you know the Road Warrior, what are they doing? Didn't Animal stick around, or was that before that? Remember yeah, no, the- I, I, I mean Animal had been around i want to say is like as late as like the mid 2000s right i just remember being at a show in like bakersfield like in the hotel after the show and like just happened the like smackdown was on and i was like tatanka's here like and why is he being like this crazy <laughs> he was doing like a heel indian gimmick or you know or not gimmick he's just, he is indian but like native american but it's like he was doing like some kind of like heel version of his tatanka and i was like what is this you know i I wasn't really watching too closely at that time so and i remember animal was on that show too so that's like must have been like 2005 or something like that 2005 2006 yeah all right so we're gonna take another quick break and i'm gonna talk about blue chew so i did some research we've had some questions about blue chew so, uh, guys, looking to last longer or go a few extra rounds, get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable 
that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. So I've continued to ask, like, why is the chewable a little bit more fast acting? Well, I guess when you swallow a, a pill, it goes, it, got, it has to go like into the stomach lining. But when you chew, chewable, like Blue Chew, it actually goes into your cheeks and it gets absorbed there. So that's where it hits your blood, your bloodstream. So there, there you go. That's why the, that's why the chewable is more fast acting. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis. So, you know, they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them any day, uh, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost. And once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. Okay, so I teased this last week. Um, actually, it wasn't really a tease. I was just kind of hoping it was going to happen. But I talked to Jeremy Botter earlier today and we had a discussion about ufc and them running he's been you know he he, he's been writing pieces uh, about the ufc and and a piece from uh from late april he wrote where uh he was talking a lot about dana white and and dana white wanting to run and i thought it was really interesting so i wanted to talk to him about it so we talked about that we also talked about his his newsletter which is uh, i believe he said he just celebrated his one one year anniversary of his wizard newsletter so uh, i'm going uh, to throw it to that interview that i did earlier today with mma writer and writer of the wizard newsletter jeremy botter All right, we're bringing on uh, Wizard newsletter writer Jeremy Botter joining the Fight Game podcast tonight. Jeremy, how are you feeling? I'm good, man. Getting better. How are you doing? Good. Uh, so I have, um, I, I, we haven't really crossed too many paths, uh, you know, except, you know, I think you probably started to, to know me a little bit from doing the Wrestling Observer radio podcasts with Meltzer. But I've been, you know, I've been reading your stuff for a very long time, so I'm really happy to have you on here. And uh, your your uh, your Wizard newsletter, I'm a subscriber. Uh, I like the work that you do, so I want to talk about that as well. But first, you wrote a piece in April, uh, April 28th, and you wrote about Dana White's obsession with the press. You said he doesn't care about them, at least vocally, but he's actually reading everything. And it made me wonder how MMA is different from the way other sports is covered. What is it that allows him to have that relationship with the MMA media? Oh, man, that's a really interesting question. Um, you know, first, a little background, like the, the, the reason that I know that that Dana is obsessed with the press, and you know, um, no matter what he says in public is, I mean, he gets and has for years, every single morning, he has like essentially a folder of printed out media stories that are selected for him the day before. And it's not just like the glowing stuff from, you know, some of the websites that don't really criticize the UFC. Like he, he reads everything. Um, and really, that shouldn't come to anybody who has 
followed Dana's career for for a long time because, like, I mean, back in the day, he was on the underground responding to every idiot on there who would, you know, make a comment about the UFC. Like, that's, you know, and you see him do it on Instagram. Like, he's just he's obsessed with criticism. Um, and the way that he views the press is that I, he believes that we should be working with him to promote his fights. Right. I mean, and I know that's true. I mean, he accidentally slipped up and, and said that one time back when Jake Rosen um, wrote a story that he didn't like. Um, he, he slipped up and said that, he, you know, you guys should be working with us, but said you're doing this like that's that's the way that he views the media. And so and and do no and nowhere is that more evident than the way he feels about mainstream media like they are obsessed with any essentially any publication that is not involved in mixed martial arts. Like we, you know, we've seen the New York times publish some good stuff this week. And obviously he's, you know, he's complaining about that. But I mean, going back years, one of my good friends, uh, you know, she wrote for, she was a freelance writer and she wrote for GQ and she now actually works for the New York times. Taffy Burdesser Agner. She's a phenomenal writer, but she was writing a story, uh, on the ultimate fighter. The first season had the, the all female cast. And, like she worked essentially, she did. She had never watched the UFC before. Didn't know anything about it when I met her. And the UFC, because she was working for a mainstream publication that honestly nobody had ever heard of. It's, it was called Matter, and it was like on the medium plat, medium publishing platform. But because it was a mainstream publication, dude, they gave her like daily access to the <laughs> Ultimate Fighter house. That doesn't happen, you know. And so that's just the kind of evidence that you see that. I mean. Does does he get pissed off when people in the MMA sphere write critical stuff about him? Yes. Oh God, he does. Like I'm I'm on a sort of watch list over there, which is which is pretty incredible. Um, but when people who are working for one of those publications where he really craves the attention, like the New York Times, you know, places like that, like it seems to bother him more than most, and so. I think it's because he just in the MMA media sphere, so many people and dude, and I've written this on wizard before. If you go through the archives, like I, you know, I'm pretty honest about this. Like I have worked for publications where that's what I was doing. I was a partner with the UFC. I did not write things that was critical. I did not write things that would piss them off. We helped promote their fights. We did a pre-fight show. Like I, I've, I've been there. I've done that. And so I know I know how, that that's the kind of relationship that he believes the media should have. And, you, and, and that's why you see guys, you know, even people who work for pretty big respected outlets who have this chummy relationship with him, who will print anything he says when he called them, because they know that it's worth anything that says any headline that starts with Dana White says <laughs> UFC president Dana White says is going to do big traffic, even though he's fucking lying most of the time, you know, like, yeah. and that's, and that's the thing. And, and so they still do it. And because, because so many people get into the MMA journalism game as fans, essentially, they feel lucky to be able to do what they do. And I, I'm the same way. I'm not really a fan of MMA anymore, but I still I feel lucky to get to write about it. Um, sometimes, man, sometimes do, I do don't feel lucky. <laughs> do you think Do you think Dana senses that, and 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 that's why he's able to work the 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 media in that way? Yeah, that's what I. You know, that's what I, I, because so many people get in as fans, and they're so in awe of just being able to sit cage side because um, it is an intoxicating experience until you've done it over a hundred times, like I did, and then you just don't want to be there. Um, but for some, it's an intoxicating experience, and so he uses that to his advantage. 
is what is the fear that they just they're not able to get credentials anymore? Because someone like Josh Gross, he's still successful in in what he's doing, and I don't think he's been allowed to be at a UFC fight for forever now. Is is, the, is it just the credential? Um, like what is, what is the fear in maybe getting on his bad side? Yeah, I mean Josh is successful because he has been doing it for a long time, but like, and you know, sure he's with the athletic now and, and I love their stuff. I love their work. I love the whole team there. But I mean, for a long time, Josh was on the outside looking in, right? I mean, Josh didn't go to a U hasn't been to a UFC event in you know, well over a decade at this point. And I, you know, I, I spoke with him. I, we were at whiskey a go, go at, at the MGM grand after a fight. I can't, I think it was a Conor McGregor fight. And I spoke with him and he said, he, I mean, he essentially, he was relaying that like, without being able to get in there and without being able to actually report on the event, right? He's like, it's hard to find work, you know? And he was able to do stuff for the guardian, but like it's people are afraid of losing their access because for most media outlets, if you write stories that don't get traffic, what, what good are you to them? So if you don't have access, what good are you to them? And so that's, you know, people it's, it's a fear of losing what you do for a living because you like what you do for a living. What do you think about ESPN's role here? They uh, UFC is seemingly a great partner. UFC has to try and cover them in in, a, in as unbiased a way as possible. But they are also like the main marketing arm for for the shows, and uh, sometimes you see a lot of pieces. At least this is coming from my mouth. Sometimes you see a lot of pieces that are trying to be serious journalism, but then definitely come off way more as, you know, what you said about what Dana wants, which is, uh, you know, the PR in a sense. What, what, how, how have you thought about how, how they've been covering since they became partners with the UFC? Well, I mean, I think that any, okay. So I think there's two different aspects to the, to the MMA or to ESPN's MMA operation, right? You've got the team that is trying to sell you a $65 pay-per-view. Um, and then you have guys like Mark Romandi, Brett Akimoto, and Ariel Hawani, who for whatever people may say about them are at outstanding professionals. Brett Akimoto, I mean, Romandi, Jeff Wagenheim too, like all these guys are outstanding professionals. And if you honestly, if you if you're on the outside and you say anything to the contrary to that, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Those guys, Mark Romandi especially, has stellar ethics far more than I have ever had, truthfully. Um, R- I mean, Romandi's actually been able to raise his game at ESPN, which I didn't, you know, I didn't think was, yeah. not that it wasn't possible, but he he was so good already at MMA yeah. fighting, and now he's he's even better at ESPN. And and that's the thing. It's like, so, and, and nowhere is this, t- these two separate personalities of ESPN, if you want to call it, um, more evident than last Saturday night when Mark Ramondi essentially reported that the, the guidelines that the UFC gave ESPN were just thrown out the window and Joe Rogan was in the cage. Like, I mean, dude, that was in what's funny is I wrote a whole story about, and it's not finished. I don't know if I'm going to you know, ever get it published, but like that was interesting and kind of surreal, but then also it's the UFC and, and, I don't know that they've ever had a partner in any kind of business relationship where things didn't go sour by the end. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of, I can't really think of one. I mean, even Zions, the energy drink that they own, that went bad, that went poorly. Like, so I, it's, it's typical, but like if, if you were, 
um, you know, a mainstream guy and you care about media, um, seeing that, seeing Mark Amandi write that piece would seem pretty weird to you. And so I don't think that, I don't think anybody can claim that those guys are cheerleaders. I don't think that, I mean, you can claim that Brett's a cheerleader, that just, I mean, you can't claim that Brett's a cheerleader just because he is, he goes down to the office to interview Dana White, right? That's his job. Right. You can't claim, and, and you absolutely can't claim that Ariel, you know, is, is a cheerleader because Dana White hates his freaking guts. <laughs> and if, and, it, and if he had his way, he would not let him into UFC events anymore. But um, yeah, so I, it's, it's, it's interesting. There's a lot of people who don't know what the hell they're talking about. Um, but yeah, I mean, there certainly is a side of ESPN that has to promote the fights because they are, they are the broadcast partner. So in, in the piece, uh, again, written, I, I believe the published date was April 28th. You, uh, mentioned Dana's insistence on, on running again during these, uh, these crazy times that we're in now that two shows have happened. Um, you mentioned the, the the thing with with Rogan. There's also been uh, a waiver that that has been mentioned, a media waiver and a waiver that the fighters have, have had to deal with, uh, so so that uh, you know they don't talk about in any negativity around running these shows. First, if you if you watched any of the shows, it, what were your thoughts? And then second, you know, what are your thoughts about about the waiver side of things and just overall how the UFC kind of handled the event from a safety perspective. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I'm actually, I have a, I have a piece coming up about, uh, UFC 249 tomorrow. And, and I know it seems, you know, it's a week later and it's not really timely, but I actually, after the event, I wrote, you know, essentially a cookie cutter, your standard story about what happened and what I think and who should fight who next. And like, that's, I threw it away before I was done because like, that's not what I really do anymore. And so I started over and I kind of wrote about my experience watching it and all like, because Going into it, I I mean, you know, and I'm still absolutely against them running events right now. I think it's stupid. I think it's a threat to public safety and public public health. Um, And then I went and ordered the event, too. Right. And so, like, what does that say about me, both as a journalist and as a person? And like, you know, I I, just to kind of tell you a little bit of what you know about what I wrote, like I, I. Essentially, I'm watching this card and I'm hating the fact that I'm watching this card. But damn it, was I entertained so for some of it, you know, I mean, so it was super entertaining. And so like I essentially I wrote about how that like that that dichotomy of like being being against this for reasons that I think are very sound and, you know, fundamental, fundamentally sound and, and reasonable, but also not being able to help myself. Um, and so I think I think that was interesting. And so, I, you know, I think it's absolutely wild and crazy and also totally predictable that the UFC put out an operations plan with all these guidelines and protocols they were going to follow and then did not follow their own protocols. Like, I think that's dude, like that is par for the course. Right. And so I did not watch last night's event. I fell asleep long before it was, you know, I don't even know. I don't even know what time it ended, but I did not watch it. Um, I do have it recorded. I plan on watching some of it eventually. Uh, I don't even, I honestly, I forgot there was an event Saturday until you just now mentioned it. And so, <laughs> um, I guess I'll see, you know, if we're not doing anything, I'll watch it. But like when it comes to UFC 249, man, I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. I don't like the fact that I enjoyed it, but I did. Yeah. I wrote something Friday night, right before the news came out, that uh, Jacques Garay and two of his cornermen tested positive. I basically wrote saying basically what you said, which is I'm very excited for this show. I can't wait to watch it with my kids, 
But at the same time, I'm super conflicted in, in my emotions. And I almost, I almost kind of feel guilty for, for being so excited about it. Exactly. And so, and so I totally understand what, what you're talking about. But when it comes to, you know, you as a part of the, of the media, uh, I had this conversation with, um, Dave Meltzer off air from the last podcast, the last Wrestling Observer Radio I did with him, and just off air, just kind of like, like what would you do, like if you, you know, if you were given this this waiver that you couldn't, you know, report negatively, like like just the just the idea of of having to agree to something, and I know I know someone had written that you know, it was fine to sign it because it wouldn't hold up in court anyway, so no big deal. But just you know, just the idea, you know, you're here maybe many folks having conflicted emotions like the two of us did and then getting this piece of paper that, that, that seemed pretty rich from the UFC, but again, not unexpected. Yeah. And, and um, you know, just in the interest of full disclosure, disclosure, I do run the MMA journalist association website. I'm not like, you know, I'm not one of the officers or anything like that. Um, but I do run their, I manage and develop and design their website. And so like what, you know, when we, that statement that went up on the website, I, I'm the one that, that put that up there. Um, and so I've been thinking about this a lot and I've actually, you know, I've talked to a few people that were there without naming names, few media folks. Um, and all, well, all but one of them essentially went to their lawyers with their company or their publication beforehand and said, what should I do? And they were given the, the green light because as you said, it would never hold up in court. Um, it's it's still absolutely wild that that it even happened in the first place. Like I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. I'm not a legal scholar, um, but it's just, it's kind of crazy that that they thought that they could do that and get people to sign it. But it's I mean they also signed it, right? Yeah. So that's why they they knew they knew. I mean that's why they. I, that's why they do things like that because they know that media is going to comply. Um, and they have made changes. There was a long back and forth yesterday with, with the UFC and with uh, lawyers for some outside groups. And, and they have made changes to the, the policy, but like, you know, in a way, I'm not even sure if those, that language has been released yet, but like in a way, the language is even more restricting and more likely to hold up in court. Mm. Um, and so I'm not really entirely sure uh, what's going to happen with that um, going forward. I mean, I, you know, I, it's one thing to put a disparagement agreement in, in you know, in a waiver. Um, but it's a total other thing to design this thing so that, I mean, it says you can, they can go after your friends and family if you say that their testing wasn't up to standard. And it's really wild that they insist on having people sign it after they broke their own fucking protocols, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like if they had followed exactly. their own plan, they'd have a, be- you know, they'd have much more to stand on, dude. But like, I can't, it's, it's, it is crazy. Um, you know, what's, what's amazing to me is that the UFC's, you know, essentially their response to the MMA JA's statement was, you know, you guys should have come to us. This is, you know, we didn't know this was going to be a big deal. Oh my gosh. Like you've got to be kidding me. Right. Like it's, it's absolutely crazy. Um, okay, so I want to talk about your newsletter. Um, I think if if people subscribe, they can dig through your archives. You've written a bit about where you came from and and why you wanted to change. But I, but I am still interested in hearing the story about how you came across um, the Substack, the 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 software that you use, and just the idea of you know in two thousand. 
and 20, though I think you just had your year anniversary. So 2019, an email newsletter of all things, right? Like being able to publish, being able to reach an audience and uh, doing it in this fashion. Like what really attracted you to, to try this out? Well, it, it's, I was working for Bleacher Report at the time. And what's funny is that my, the person who turned me on and to Substack and, you know, showed me, uh, the platform was my old boss at Bleacher Report, Brian Oswald. Um, he wasn't there at the time, but like he asked me if I'd heard about, heard, heard of it because Matt Taibbi or Tiabi, who used to write for Rolling Stone was doing a serial book on, you know, using Substack. And I was like, well, that's interesting. Like, and it's free to sign up. So, um, this it sounded like something that would be interesting, and, and, and I'd actually launched Wizard two, you know, three years ago, I think it was, um, as a website, and essentially it died on the vine because to to operate as a functional mixed martial arts website that actually makes money and whatnot, like you just have to have a ton of traffic, or you have to have devoted followers who are willing to subscribe uh, to your stuff, and because because the first iteration of wizard as a website didn't have that. Um, it just kind of, you know, it, it kind of died out after a few weeks or a month. I can't remember what it is. And, and so I decided that a newsletter was worth trying. And so honestly, man, I, I launched it without any expectations because I knew that my time at Bleacher report was going to end uh, at the end of last year because I, just didn't want to do that or MMA. stuff. I didn't want to do that kind of MMA stuff anymore. I still wanted to write about pro wrestling. Still wanted to do pro wrestling features. I did not want to do, I just didn't want to do the stuff anymore. The, the things that I'd been doing for nine years, I didn't want to do it anymore. Um, and so I knew that I was not going to renew my contract and I was like, well, I, I, it can't hurt to give it a shot. Right. And so I launched it without any expectations. I was hoping that maybe I could get some close friends and family to subscribe out of pity. Um, but I think I think what what really hit with people is the fact that I launched it and and I knew that I couldn't just cover mixed martial arts. I couldn't write about mixed martial arts the way that I always had. Um, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to write about the things that I should have been writing about for nine, you know, for eight or nine years, but I didn't out of fear I would lose my access. Um, and I was like, you know, I. I don't really ever want to go to another UFC event again. If I can handle it, like if I can help it, I will never sit cage side again. I don't want to do it. I've been to enough. And so what do I have to lose? Like I don't, I'm not doing interviews with people. I'm not, it's just not what I do anymore. Um, and so I, what do I have to lose? And so I'm, I launched the, the newsletter with a mission of, or with, you know, with the intention to write the truth, even if the truth was ugly. And even if that ugly truth was about me, and the things that I had done. And so I think that resonated pe with people um, because, man, like it's a warts and all, dude. You know, it, it's for a long time. I, I just I pretended like I was. I don't want I don't want to say upstanding or ethical or whatever other journalist, but like I wasn't really a journalist because I wasn't writing the things that I knew to be true. Um, that, that's not what journalism is. And so I felt kind of like I had a debt, not a debt, but like a penance essentially mm -hmm. that I needed to pay. And so I, I was going to, I was going to write the truth. I was going to write that truth about myself. Um, because how can I criticize other people for 
failing to live up to stand, you know, for, for anything, for signing media, media waivers, whatever. How can I offer any kind of criticism of those people when I am hiding those kind of things in my closet that I've done in the past, right. you know? And so I, that's that, I think that resonated with people and dude, I was shocked. Like essentially within a month, I knew that it could be a full-time gig. And so it was pretty shocking. It's still shocking to this day. I need to, I need to publish a lot more and keep an established publishing schedule. Um, we've had a, you know, pretty crazy couple of months here. Um, but I do intend to very shortly get on a pretty regular, you know, two, three times a week publishing schedule and get back to it because I truly do love doing it. I think the thing, I think the reason that people subscribe is not because they want access to the stories so much, but because they appreciate the fact that I'm writing the stories and they want to support me, you know, it's, I, and also the fact that I'm available, my subscribers, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm available to them. I, I, I send out my phone number to people. I send out a direct email that's only for them. Like I, you know, and I try to respond to everybody that writes me and I, I ask them to tell me what I'm doing wrong so that I can fix it. And I think that resonates too, man. And I, you know, I'm not saying that I'm like some kind of genius or anything. Essentially, I'm just telling the truth finally. So the, the story that I really sat down, I was like, okay, I need to sit down and take 20 minutes to read this thing rather than, you know, zip through it like you would do news or something was you basically analyzed a piece that you'd written on John Jones. And then you kind of had like these little notes to say, well, this wasn't exactly the way that it happened. Here's actually how it happened. And here's some other things that happened while we were there. That was an interesting, a really interesting way to do that. And I found that to be like, you know, I I was just like glued reading this whole thing. Uh, What is the, would you say those are, 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 are more popular that, uh, as far as feedback or do, do, do people still want like up to date stuff or history? Like, like what are the things that people want you to write in the feedback that you've been requesting? Honestly, I think, uh, dude, that's been, I mean, I've had more positive feedback from that piece and that, you know, the idea of doing those than I have anything. I, I do have more of those in the pipeline. Um, I, they take a little bit of time because honestly it's, it's, it's not easy for me to go back and, and, take a critical look at myself. Right. I mean, it's healthy, you know, and it has helped, but man, I'm dreading it. Like, you know, I, I promised subscribers that I'm going to go back at some point and I'm going to, you know, analyze or, you know, go put notes throughout that, that stupid memo that I sent out about how to be, mm-hmm. how to not get on the UFC's bad side back in what, 2012, 2011. Like yeah. I, I sent that and dude, like I read it. Oh man, I've read it a couple of times over the past couple of months and with the intention of working on that. And every time I read it, I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. This is so embarrassing. Like, but again, you know, that was me. I wrote that. Um, and so I think, I, I think that has really been the most well-received sort of thing that I've ever done. And I, I don't want to fall into a thing where I'm just reprinting old stories, um, and criticizing them, but like, that's the kind of thing that works with the newsletter is when I'm talking about myself in that kind of open and honest way. Um, I don't know, man. There's something about that, just that raw tearing the Band-Aid off that, that people really seem to like. And even though it's extraordinarily painful for me, I do intend to continue doing that. Uh, last question for, for me. Uh, is is there a, ki- a way that you're trying to do community in that you have a subscription base um, you know, I think you, I think there can be, uh, through, through the, through the Substack. I think you can do like, uh, 
comments or or, or something where, where people can kind of get together and 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 chit chat. But it seems like uh, there there might be a possibility of, of doing more around community. And you talked about the, sort of the loyal subscribers that that you're you're trying to please. Is, is there uh, is there other stuff around community that you can do that that uh, you're thinking about? There, is, I mean, there is, and and I got you know, honestly, I thought about doing message boards or you know, and trying to get more comment things going. But like honestly, like I I, I think the the best, the most vibrant, vibrant connection that I, I've had with my subscribers is the one-on-one emails. You know, a when I go back and forth with them and respond to them, um, that's really essentially that's what I wanted to focus on for the first year. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't know, man. Message. It's 2020, and message boards. Like, <laughs> I think the first time, I, the first time I ever heard of you or saw your name, I think it was on Dave's message board way back. And I think the last time that I went on that board was eight or nine years ago, something yeah, me, like that. Me, me too, by the way. Dude, I just get like, I got driven away. Um, and you know, maybe it's because people were saying things about me and I, that were true and I didn't like them or whatever. Like, but man, there was some, uh, yeah. So anyway, um, I, I just, I never went back to it. And so I don't know that a message board community is really the thing. I've thought about doing like zoom calls Mm -hmm. during this, during the, especially during this time, this pandemic, um, for subscribers only, I, you know, there's, there's a few different things that I've brainstormed and I'm still brainstorming. And so, um, I, I'm not entirely sure. I'm not entirely sure what I'm going to do yet, but I know that I want to maintain those one-on-one connections as much as possible. All right. Well, how can how can people subscribe? You just go to wizard.com, W-H-I-Z-Z-E-R-E-D, um, and you can subscribe there. Um, and yeah, I whether you subscribe or don't subscribe, I, I subscribe. I appreciate everybody who who reads my stuff, man. I always have. And, and there are free articles for, if people want to check it out. Yeah. You know, actually, and I do send out, I, well, at least over the past few months, I've sent out more free stuff that I have that subscribers for, for only for subscribers, just because I want everybody to be able to read it. And what's crazy, man, is like, I get far more, when I send out those free stories, like I get more subscribers from those free stories than I do from sales or, you know, discounts <laughs> or anything like that. Like, because people read your stuff and they don't subscribe because they want to read stuff that's locked or whatever. Like they subscribe because they believe in what I'm doing and what I'm trying to do and what I'm going to continue doing. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, people can still, I mean, you can sign, sign up for the email list. You can get on the email list. You will still receive free stories. Um, I, the archives, I try to lock them down after a couple of weeks, even the free stories, uh, but they're, um, you know, at least for the first couple of weeks, you get them in your email, uh, and I encourage everybody to check it out. And if you like what I'm doing, man, just it does help. This is this is my full time job. And so um, <laughs> I appreciate all the help I can get. And they can also find you uh, at Jeremy Botter on Twitter. Uh, I, I really appreciate you coming on, man. And, you know, in these crazy times, just uh, be safe. And hopefully we can do this again sometime. Yeah, man, I I don't do many of these anymore, um, but I will always answer the phone for you. And I, I'm a I'm a huge fan of your podcast with Dave. They're, they're must listens for me. Whereas I, you know, every other show on essentially every other website is not a must listen for me, but your, your podcast with Dave are. So I, uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate you having me on. All right. Thanks to Jeremy for hanging out with us. That was a lot of fun. I've been wanting, I've been meaning to talk to him 
for a long time. And what's actually interesting is he mentions it in the interview, which is uh, kind of how <clears throat> we cross paths, which is uh, through him recognizing me from uh, the Wrestling Observer Radio that I do with Dave Meltzer. And uh, I thought that was kind of cool because it's just, you know, you you have real, you know, real folks listening and they reach out to you and they enjoy your work. And I've always liked his his writing. So that was a lot of fun. And, you know, Wizard at Wizard, I, I'm a subscriber. So, uh, you know, that that vouches for for his work there. Not that I'm trying to sell his newsletter for him because he does a good job doing that. But uh, yeah, I can I, I can vouch. It, it, it's good work. Uh, okay, so before we talk about this week in wrestling, like we always do every week, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the UFC versus boxing versus wrestling in the empty arena setting. Uh, Bob Arum plans to start, I believe, June 9th. He wants to start uh, coming back with uh, Shakur Stevenson. So, I mean, if it happens, I'm going to be there. But I'm also really interested in watching boxing in the empty arena. Now, if you've ever been to a boxing event, you will know that save for maybe the main event and the semi-main event, there's no fans in attendance. I remember I went to an Andre Ward versus Saki Obika fight. Uh, I had a credential for that fight. And it literally wasn't until the main event when the building was more than half full and so it is, you know, you 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 see this really high level boxing, these pay per views where this, you know, the building is packed. It's Floyd Mayweather or Manny Pacquiao or Oscar De La Hoya, and what you don't realize is that you know, an hour before they 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 start, like there's nobody in the building. And so I've seen fights in that atmosphere, and uh, and also in boxing, boring fights, you, you don't really hear anybody. So I, I, I'm really interested in seeing how the, um, the boxing empty arena works out. Now in MMA, I think the UFC show, you know, Jason, and I talked about it on Monday. It really worked well, but the reason it worked well is because the fights were good. I imagine if the fights were not good, then it wouldn't have worked as well. But I did, I did, here, here's one thing that, that is pretty interesting, and I want your feedback on this. As someone who um, booked a very, you know, premiere was, was a different style of wrestling, and, and the goal was not to do any of this, you know, this crazy stuff, is really to have really solid matches. And so I'm watching UFC 249, and I'm watching Justin Gaethje and Tony Ferguson. And the thing about this fight is like Gaethje is hitting Tony Ferguson with the proverbial everything but the kitchen sink. Mm -hmm. And Ferguson is taking these gigantic shots and he's taking a step back and he's coming forward again. And it wasn't until the fifth round. Well, I think it was in the fourth round. Maybe he got knocked a little, a little loopy as well. But it wasn't until the fifth round till he really kind of, you know, he, he could have flare flopped after a Gaith G jab. But the way that he would come back from these really, really big shots wasn't to really show that he was hurt. It was actually the opposite. It was to show or pretend, <clears throat> excuse me, that he wasn't hurt, which in this setting was so different from some of the wrestling that we watch where um, I feel like some of it is a little bit of overselling because with no fans and no noise, it just seems like 
were standing still. But the real sort of the, the, the way that people really take these shots isn't to get stunned or fall for 20 seconds or get dizzy for 20 seconds. That is more of a pro wrestling style of selling. But in this setting, it almost made the pro wrestling style of selling like look even more. Um, <clears throat> not, I, I don't want to discredit the pro wrestling selling because they're just doing their job, but it, but it just made it look a little bit more like uh, pretend in in a sense. And so I kind of wanted your thoughts on if you had to book a wrestling promotion, if you were booking premiere in this setting, would you just? Do, ha, ha, would you, would you want the wrestlers to sell the way that they normally sell, mm-hmm. or would you or would you do it a little bit differently because of the fact that there were no fans? I would probably keep everything the same in pro wrestling. I just I you know I like a longer sell. I like a I like a, a double down. People get back up when you know you do that once a show. Don't do it like every match. But yeah, um, I like you say that stuff for the main event. I like um, yeah. I would I would do the same. Uh, it's Wrestling's a little more the- theatrical, so you have to, you know, there's a little more, there's a little more, you can, you can create a little more drama than, than, than a real fight sometimes. And I'm sure that match, that fight, that route, that fight with the uh, Ferguson and Gaethje was very dramatic. I'm sure I heard nothing but great things about it, but, uh, I was so um, sad watching Tony Ferguson take that beating mm-hmm. and it wasn't because I'm this huge, gigantic Tony Ferguson fan, but like no person should have to take that much beat that much of a beating but it's because he's so goddamn tough yeah yeah. that he takes so much punishment i'm watching this fight going like dude you know you 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 will lose the same if you you know if you don't go out into that fifth round but he's just tough as nails and that's part of what makes him great but i do worry about you know i I wonder you know you always hear the old boxers say like that fight took so many you know, so many extra fights off of my 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 career or the wrestler will say you know I only have so many bump cards, and it's like, oh, that was he. He took so many big shots. Yeah, I mean, if it was today, and I was booking premiere, and we had no fans, um, it was just you know for the cameras. I would just make sure the guys focus on the camera, sell to the camera when they're in holds, work to the you know towards the camera so the you know the camera catch their face and the pain and all that kind of stuff. So that's how I would change it, you know, differently than than that because you're you're playing towards your TV audience. You you were also not one to book a lot of long matches. I I can remember some of the long matches, but they were few and far between. Would you be booking shorter matches during the empty arena time and save the long matches for once every blue while? No, I would do. Um, I would have one longer or two longer matches, but the rest will be shorter. On um, the undercard matches, were all less than ten minutes. I would try to do, you know, because there's a prelim stuff. There were guys, you know, working their way up the ranks, and then the main event you give the time to. And I always time the show out to be two hours, sometimes two and a half hours. Um, I didn't really want to go to three, and I wanted the show to keep moving. We didn't do intermission; we just kept moving, and. Um, I would save that for the main event because those, you know, those matches are, you know, the featured matches. So they, they should get the most time. The other ones, you know, they're, you know, six minutes is a lot of time. A lot of, <laughs> you give six minutes to the rest of they'll probably get all, they'll butter sometimes, but they don't understand. <laughs> like sometimes some of those guys can't even go fucking four minutes. They're lucky they're getting skin six. So, yeah. um, um, if, if they can't go six, I won't give them six. I <laughs> should give them four. But, uh, you know, it, it's, 
it's uh, you got you got to separate the prelims from the main events, and and you know you can't have the opener go freaking twenty five minutes, and then the main event go ten. You know, I don't know. It depends on who the wrestlers are, I guess. But um, but yeah, I, I I always prefer to have the championship matches and and premiere be thirty minutes, can and then the uh, undercard matches are usually what fifteen minutes was like the time limit normally, and they would go to you know maybe some would go to ten. Yeah, yeah. It, it, in um, it was an interesting mix of, of both shows this week. There was one tag match it was Kenny Omega and Matt Hardy, um, the versus uh, what Proud and Powerful though they don't mm. call them Proud and Powerful. Uh, that match I felt went too long, mm-hmm. been long time, way too long. And NXT, you know. I watched the clipped version, so it's quite possible that some of these matches went too long. But I felt like NXT was right in the pocket as far as when, what the the time I was invested in, in watching. So, you know, I think I think if you if you do a longer style of match, it has to be so good. But you you know you look at Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre. I don't know how long that match was, but it felt like the perfect amount of time for an empty arena match with two really great workers yeah 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 no that was it was a good time i forget time on that match as well but um yeah you gotta pick or choose your spots and going shorter it all, it all depends what story the match is you know if like uh for example the nxt main event this week riddle and thatcher they were doing more of a, a grappling match they didn't use the ropes at all um you could say you you know UWFI style shoot style match, um, and they didn't need to go thirty minutes, right? Like the nice, I think it was like maybe twelve, maybe a little less, because uh, it was just all physical and in the middle of the ring. So um, I thought the, the Omega and Hardy and the Proud and Powerful matches was way too long. Yeah, it, it was it was it was really long. And, and, and you know what's, and getting, what's and, and getting bad as it kept going. Like Hardy can tell is is. You know, he's not young anymore, and you could tell all the wars are catching up to him, and and it just was going too long, and they're kicking out a billion things, and I was just getting really tired of it. Well, what's worse is this is the day after they did that street fight, so imagine mm-hmm. doing that long street fight, and you know, Matt Matt Hardy's a, a he he is a, you know closer to our age. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he has been through wars, and so I don't I, I imagine his body was not feeling super great the next day to then do this long match inside the ring i know he's not feeling good to today because he took that bump over the top rope we held on with both hands and he hit his lower back on the apron like almost like how you how you're not supposed to you know you're not supposed to take it back to the over the top rope bump like that um yeah i've seen a lot of guys get hurt taking bumps like that so i mean like he cracked his that lower back on that apron that must have sucked so i'm sure he's that's not feeling too too good for him right now okay so uh well, let's talk about this this week in wrestling and i want to start off with a comparison and i didn't really think about this until after i finished watching both matches jungle boy was back we got to mm-hmm. see jungle boy again and on the other show got to see jake atlas and the re- and and together that you know they've had some really good matches together. Uh, you know, I, I remember. Uh, you know, they've wrestled in APW. They've wrestled. You know, uh, they're, they're kind of linked a, a little bit uh, together. Yeah. And and so I watched Jungle Boy. I thought I thought he was good. And then I watched Jake Atlas, and 
he emotes in this empty arena setting way better than I remember him emoting at APW. Like, I feel like he has whatever it is that, that he's doing differently. He's expressing himself so well. He, he wins a very, a very competitive match with his, uh, what do they call it? The, they call it the rainbow DDT or whatever. Uh, what? I forget what it's called, but it's like, you know, cartwheel DDT. Cartwheel DDT, which is amazing in of itself. And I almost feel like his match this week worked just as well in the empty arena than it would have worked in front of fans. I was so impressed with him. And, you know, the the first couple weeks, he was kind of getting his footing a little bit. And you're like, okay, like, I like Jake. Let's see what happens. But this week, I really felt like he he put almost everything all together. And so I almost was like trying to compare the two going like, wow, you know, Jungle Boy, Jake Atlas, they're both on, you know, they're both sort of competing against each other. It's interesting to do the comparison of where they are right now because, you know, they're sort of linked together. Yeah, um, you know, it's just the booking of Jake Atlas, too, because you don't want him doing everything in his first match on television, right, in this tournament. So, yeah, he's definitely wrestling. He's wrestling, what, three matches, right? So he can't do everything in every match. So it's a slow progression to kind of, you know, you just kind of, it's, it's it's a story within the match. Each match is its own story, and each each match he's doing more and more. So that's why he kind of might have showed off, more stood out a little more. And plus also, too, Tony, you got to give credit to Tony Nese. He was very Absolutely. physical, he was awesome. very aggressive. He was really good. This is probably one of the better performances I've seen Tony Nese. And, you know, I like Tony Nese as, a, as, a, as an athlete, I, you know, but, like, he's, he just, you know, doesn't have much charisma or anything. But, like, here, being aggressive and physical, and even at the angle later on, I don't know if that was even on your on your Hulu version, when he came out and attacked uh, Swerve Scott before his match, um, I thought, yeah, I'm like, wow, you know, Tony's showing some aggression here. So, it's, it's, uh, so I think it was a nice combination of both, both men. And then Jake, Jake's a really, really good talent. I would just love for him to have brighter gear just because I, I I wanted to count the talent on the show, but I think almost everyone had black gear <laughs> and I just would like to see Jake stand out more with color. I mean, he's a colorful guy and I, that's one of the favorite things about him at APW. Like he came out and he had, you know, bright colored outfits and a bright Jack sequence jacket. I, I, I kind of hope they kind of would brighten his gear up that that's one thing I, that's one thing I noticed right away when I saw him. Cause he's wearing, he's wearing black Finn Bowser in black, Trevor Lee wearing black, you know, <laughs> it's just the, uh, the Imperium's all in black. Oh yeah. So yeah, that, that definitely, uh, like to see him change his gear up. Cause, uh, Jake's a good kid, man. He's, he's, he's super talented. It's amazing that he's getting this opportunity now with NXT and just shows you what the confidence they have in him. I mean, I don't know if he's going to win this thing, but I am rooting for him. Like, mm-hmm. like the, the, the matches that they're doing on NXT for this cruiserweight uh, championship, I'm not really closely paying attention. You know, this isn't like the G1 where we sort of know what the records are. Like, I'm not paying that close of attention, but I am paying close attention enough to where I'm like, I wonder if Jake can can win this thing or go to the finals or whatever. Like because you know that 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 would be a good. I, I don't think it would be a star making performance because it's not like it's happening on Raw unless the finals happen on a pay per view. But still, it it stands out to me uh, on this show as as something that's really interesting. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're doing a good job with the tournament, at least keeping you. They have brackets and they have the records. They they show it on their each after each match, which which I like. I think Jake's okay not winning it because you know I think it's Kushida's to win. Basically, I would like to see Kushida win. Um, Kushida and Jordan Devlin would be fantastic whenever that can happen. Um, but I think him going two and one in the tournament is 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 a you know just shows like he was you know successful in the tournament with two wins and and uh, you just got to build blocks of him. It's uh, you don't need to rush rush Jake. He's gonna be he's gonna be good. Okay, so let's talk about some of the things that you liked and didn't like on wrestling this week. We already talked about Becky Lynch. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else from Raw? Anything from uh, SmackDown, NXT, AEW that stood out for you? Raw. I did watch all of Raw. Um, I liked the Shayna stuff. I liked her um, promos in the back. She played a really good. She's a really good heel, and some of the stuff she said in the promos, even like my wife who knows her and knows and knows the knows the you know wrestling business is like when she said something about Becky being pregnant and just did some kind of I forget what she said but my wife was like oh, that's rude like you know like <laughs> so that's how good of a heel that Shayna is right so, I wish uh, I wish she was not in that money in the bank match Yes, yeah, yeah. I wish that money in the bank match never happened. Dude, that's a whole nother <laughs> that yeah, that's a whole nother I'm glad you and Jason got to talk about that match because geez. Um, but then again, I got to watch AEW this week, which was not as not as good. <laughs> I don't know. That, it was a frustrating watch as well. But uh, um, uh, as far as like the wrestling this week, I watched uh, what I liked. I, I really liked the whole NXT show minus, you know, one or two matches. But I thought, you know, the Imperium tag match with Riddle and Thatcher was a great story. Um, I thought Thatcher was fantastic in the angle. Um, Riddles. Was- Don't you think it happened too soon, though? Like we we didn't really get to sink our teeth into Thatcher, which to me I wondered if this was actually the timeline of when Pete Dunn and Matt mm-hmm. Riddle were going to split. Mm-hmm. But they, because Matt because Pete Pete Dunn's not able to be here, they just did with Thatcher. Like I, I wanted Thatcher to to be there a little bit longer before they did this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it was a little little bit. The timeline is about the same, I think, but uh, but yeah, just with the, with Thatcher in that role, so um, it's leading to some good stuff, though. From from my what what I, my gut says, so okay. And ask you, uh, can I ask you a question about the finish of that match? Mm-hmm. So my what my eyes saw was that Thatcher was maybe a little bit high on his neck on the pin, and I noticed that he threw his arms out to the side to make sure that the visual of his shoulders were going to be down because we've seen some matches recently where there where there were pins and the shoulder was kind of up mm-hmm. and and but Thatcher it looked like he specifically was like oh man I'm a little bit high on my neck I'm just going to throw my arms out to the side so that it so that my shoulders are definitely down on this pin yeah, he's got got caught. They stacked him. He got stacked and he got caught. I thought the finish was brilliant. Like, of the main event uh, between Thatcher and Riddle, because just because specifically, like Thatcher, he got pinned, but didn't lose anything. Right? He just got caught. Still got his heat back by beating up Riddle after the match and and locking him in a submission hold. And uh, when when the when the show went off the air, so I thought all that stuff was that great. And that was such a unique match to have on WWE TV. Like I don't think they've ever had that kind of match on WWE TV. Maybe I can't even think. Like wait, what? Maybe a 
the the what the set the lions was it the Stu Hart dungeon match maybe well, well I wonder I wonder what the quarter hour on that match is yeah, yeah. you know I'll be interested I I know what the, the you know the, the average rating was they were down AEW was down too and you know you get the UFC running up against them that was on ESPN plus but you also had the mass singer which is doing a crazy mm-hmm. rating in the in that 18 to 49 demo and you had the survivor finale which did a really good rating in that demo too so i think those maybe even more than the ufc show were the reason why both shows were down but i'm interested to see you know because i would love to see more of that in 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 big matches in wwe it's not necessarily the wwe style but i you know i i, I, I like it yeah, oh, I love it. Yeah, but I think it also needs you need the the guys that can do it right. And so here you have Riddle and Thatcher who can do that style. And it was nice to, you know, let them do it and test it out. And you know, I think, you know, it's really cool that they're letting Thatcher be Thatcher. You know, in the WWE, a lot of people probably worried about that, and a lot of people had issues with the the skit. Remember the skit? And I didn't like the skit either with the whole um kind of like the not dating game, but it was like they tried, but yeah, it didn't work. But, it was just, uh, you know, they're trying to build up Thatcher's frustration with this guy. Like, okay, I'm tired of, I'm tired of, um, I'm not here to play games. I'm here to be a bit, you know, serious. And even in the entrances, you know, Thatcher's all business. Riddle's coming out. He's doing his, he's being Matt Riddle. You know, he flips the sandals up and hits Thatcher. And Thatcher's like, oh, come on, dude. Come on. Like, it's, it's serious. <laughs> like, it was like the nice little layers in that match that I really liked leading up to that Um you know, just in a, in a simple stuff like, you know, you know, get in your corner. Or, you know, why, why are you going out that waste your time? Like, you know, beat the guy in the ring. Just just little things they were doing. And that that, that tag match was really good. I, I'm happy for uh, Marcel Bartel and uh, Fabian Eichner. They're really good. They're a really good tag team. They're really good workers. So, um, yeah. So, NXT was definitely, it was a really good show overall. I liked the the the, uh, the cross uh, VTR. That was awesome. Um, we talked about Atlas and Nice. That match was 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 really good. Uh, uh, what else match was? Uh, of course, the main event. And I like the Gargano uh, stuff, even though a little, little, a little bit. Damn, I just wish they didn't have to do that special effect. Like with when every time they were going to talk about be serious, talk about something. I didn't like that. I didn't like that part of it. But I mean, it's very entertaining to like how they shoot it. And also, God, okay, this is how you do the bubbly bunch segment is with how Undisputed Era did their segment. That Zoom meeting thing, oh my God, that was so perfect. They're the they're, they're the jocks that you freaking hate in high school. They're so cocky and arrogant and loud and so noxious. Oh man, I was dying. That, that, that's like good comedy and wrestling. Like that was perfect. Okay, so I expect the majority of the people who watch both shows like the Bubbly Bunch uh, better. And yeah, well, they're, they're yeah. It was, it was, that no stuff comment. is, <laughs> that, that stuff is wackier. And but here's the difference. Pride and Powerful are supposed to be these thugs from Brooklyn and Bronx. But then they're like, hey, we're goofy. And I got the, I got the Grinch that stole Christmas in my house. That's funny. That's crazy. Like, like we're like Undisputed Era. Like you believe that's them. These, these arrogant, obnoxious guy. Like that is still true to them and what the bubbly bunch is it's just a bunch of gaga that doesn't really fit them maybe maybe jericho and maybe guevara but like god like how pride and power was on that these all look like idiots i i will disagree in in one sense in that i was way more entertained by the bubbly bunch 
this was more of a WWE style production, which in some instances is better, but in also in, in other instances is not as fun. But, uh, but you know, that this is all taste. Um, okay, so for the AW show, Oh, and I liked uh, the Finn Balor, Trevor, uh, Trevor Lee, uh, Cameron Grimes match too. Well, should have talked about that match was fantastic. It, it was it was good. I I mean I don't know the the Damian Priest thing. I don't know how I feel about that. But I don't. I kind of wonder. You know, is I I don't know if was that the original guy that they that they had? Like it it did. You I, know what? Kind of came out. It can't kind of came out of the blue a little bit. I believe it was, but um, I believe it was, and it was weird. I thought like I wonder if Damian Priest because like. I don't think he's going up yet, and and he just lost a fuse with you know Keith Lee, so now you got to heat him up. So, you know, I that's and it ended up being him, and I'm fine with that. I'm sure they're gonna have good matches. Yeah, it's fine, especially because they're trying to create. You know, they're trying to create a a, a guy, and mm-hmm. it should be an, it should be a good match. But on the other on the other hand, if you know if Finn. Um, if Finn is, you know, actually, I, I don't really, I don't really, it doesn't really matter. I, I just hope that Damian Priest does actually get, get more than just being in the ring with Finn Balor out of this. I hope if they do a three match series, I hope he gets, you know, he gets something out of it. He gets one of them maybe, mm-hmm. but I, I'm I fine with it. Will. Cause, cause Finn, Finn is the right guy. If you are developing Damian Priest, like Finn is the perfect guy to have a match with. And I, and I liked his motivation, you know, like Damian Priest's motivation is to be, to be uh, what, remembered, right? Like he wants wants to be a legend. He wants to be. What does he always say? He always has that line, which I always. Oh God, what is it that he says? But anyways, like he, you know, he know. Like even Balor even talked about it during his promo um, a week ago, saying like, you know, you want the push, you know, you want the push jumping me, like whoever you are, you know. And like here's Priest, a guy that wants to oh, wants to live forever, like. You know how can he live forever beating a guy like Finn Balor, who's established, right? So it all it all makes sense, and I enjoyed it. So the AEW show was uh, way on the silly side for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the it's interesting because they're setting up this pay per view with John Moxley and Brody Lee in the main event. They added MJF and Jungle Boy, which is a good match. It's a it's a it's a quality match to get you kind of excited for the show. And then they added this uh this Stampede match with uh with Jericho's team against the Elite. That could be interesting. Uh but, you know, I look at this pay-per-view and I go, "Well, if I wasn't itching for for stuff, you know, this is not a great pay-per-view to sell pay-per-views, but we'll see what happens when it comes to this. I, I think the the shows, the 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 match on paper is probably substandard from what you would think when it comes to what the real Double or Nothing was going to be. And you know they had to change gears. You know they didn't even get to do the War Games stuff. Having the two women's matches on the show is, is probably going to be a little bit of a, a, of a killer when it comes to match quality. Um, but you know what? I thought the, uh, just the visual of, of Britt Baker with the glove doing the, doing the, you know, the, the fingers in the mouth thing was actually really good though. The match itself was sort of what you'd expect from the women. So that was kind of a, that was kind of a negative, but yeah, the show was just too silly for me. It was like, it was like one of those shows where, you know, 
in the previous few weeks, I was like, okay, you know, Jericho's being wacky. I get it. I'm having fun. It doesn't mean a whole lot to me. I don't think they're taking themselves too seriously, but I think they kind of went a little bit over the edge this week. Yeah, it was really frustrating. I think this is definitely their, if not their weakest show they've ever done so far. Um, the only good piece of business they did was MJF squash. Like, they finally did a correct squash. Like, you know, he didn't get that kid nothing, and he shouldn't. He's a freaking main eventer. He's a superstar in the making. And also, like Jericho's match with Pineapple Pete, honestly, that was perfect too. Like, Pineapple being very hot in the beginning, as, you know, and then he gets boom, he gets beat. That's how you do it. You know, and the guy's fresh. You don't let the guy, the job guy, make comebacks that he's getting beat on. Like, you know, Jericho did it right. I don't understand why you're wasting pyro on a pineapple Pete and all that kind of stuff. That was ridiculous. But um, the whole the whole show was just, I, it's, I you know I know Tony Khan is green as a Booker, right? I know, but he needs a. I don't know what's going on there. I don't know who's doing what, um, who's booking what, who's helping him out. But there's a lot of mistakes are just being clearly made, like. Like, just small detail stuff that just drives me insane. Like, the opening, first of all, the, the whole thing with Lance Archer and Jake Roberts, all the heats on Jake Roberts. Lance Archer is just a, 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 an obstacle to get through to get to Jake Roberts, and that's not what he's supposed to be. Like, a manager is supposed to enhance their talent. Even Jim Cornette, as great as a personality he was, like, you know, he his heat went to his team, you know. Um, but you just want to see Jake Roberts get his ass kicked. And then Cody, did you think it was funny when Cody came in the truck? I I kind of chuckled like when he ran the barricade, like one little barricade, tink. <laughs> you know what I mean? That was pretty funny. Another another moment that works in front of fans and doesn't yeah, work yeah, in, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. arena. But here's the thing that was driving me insane. Like, okay, I I, I I was digging it though. I liked Archer like meeting him. Like he didn't wait for him to come to the ring. I just hate that. Like I like this. Like it's okay. He's a, he's a badass. Okay, cool. Archer's gonna go. He's gonna he's gonna confront Cody instead of waiting for Cody to get to the ring. And they're brawling. They're having a good brawl. It's really good. I like what I'm seeing. You know. But then they get in the ring and Cody throws a chair at Archer and he knows sells a chair, but he didn't know sell the punches that Cody did. So as you're telling me, a Cody's punches are stronger than a, a steel chair flying across the ring and hitting a guy in the head. Uh, just, that just drove me nuts. And I was like done. Then I was like, okay, this sucks. I don't want to watch it anymore. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Next. Um, and even then that, what followed that the tag match with the best friends and jungle boy and Luchasaurus was a big pile of mess. Um, uh, jungle boy did look good at times, but the match is just, just not working at all. Um, they're off on stuff. There's a point where <laughs> Trent Beretta or Trent, no last name, like hits the he hits the opposite rope just to deliver a flying knee. <laughs> like instead of like you you he packed this guy to go hit the rope, they hit the opposite knee. I'm like, dude, what the hell? Just stupid stuff. Um and you know, like the layout was poorly done with the finish because you had MGF jump the guardrail, tack jungle boy. And Marco stunt either something was missed, someone missed a spot, maybe Warlord forgot to take out Marco, maybe Marco forgot to do something, I don't know. But, you know, as MJF's attacking Jungle Boy, Marco is just out there and doing nothing. Nothing. <laughs> and it's just, just, just stupid. And then, you know, when finally when Warlord does take out Marco, Marco's going to get hurt, man. I feel bad, I feel, I feel bad for that kid, man. He's, he's going to get seriously hurt, man. They just toss that kid around. I know that's just, that's just gimmick, but I worry about that guy. And then Luchasaurus runs over and just stares off at Warlord. Like, man, if he did that to 
my little buddy, we'd be swinging, right? I would think, but ah, just, 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 just frustrating. I did like the Ray Phoenix kick on Orange Cassidy. I thought that was pretty nasty, dude. That was, that was pretty, pretty freaking cool. But uh, I'm not sure. I'm looking forward to Ray Phoenix versus Orange Cassidy next week, though. It, <laughs> I, it, it, whatever, whatever happens, it's going to get a rise out of people one way. Or yeah, the other. I'm sure. I'm sure, and I'm not, I'm also not looking forward to uh, MGF versus Marco Stunt unless MGF just totally destroys him. Like he should be able to destroy Marco Stunt like he destroyed his kid this week, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I, I just don't. It wouldn't benefit. It, I'm sure MGF's going to do it smartly. He's he's man for such a young kid. He's he's, he's really smart in his work, and that guy that guy's going to be definitely going to be something. Um, you know, we talked about the. The uh, Omega um, match already well, too long, way too long. The the did you know it's weird in that match? Like Omega comes out and the heels start beating up on Omega, like right away. And like Matt Hardy, I don't know how far he was. <laughs> like you had to wait till his entrance music. Like if your partner's getting attacked, you would run out, right? Like it just just that was that was a little that that stuff's stupid to me. I hate that stuff. I, I will say that uh, whenever an Omega match happens on AEW, I get a text from one person who is a, a former uh, WWE person and every, every week is like, this doesn't make sense. So, uh, so, so yeah, so I, I will not out that person, but yeah, that, that I, I do get a text whenever Omega is in the ring. And um, yeah, so that match was just, just, just way too long. The women's match was horrible. Um, here's the this okay. It's can I, can I ask you a question? Is yeah, is the bloom off the rose on Statlander when it comes to the indie fans? Because I feel like she was she hasn't been around for a while, but mm-hmm. in that she hasn't been around for a while. I, I when, when she came out, I was like, oh, I you know, I, I had no feeling for her whatsoever. Is the fan are you talking about fans are, are turning against her? Is that no, what you're no, saying? Just, just the idea, you know, when Statlander first came out, the indie fans were so excited because it's like one of theirs, right? Mm-hmm. But now she's been gone for so long. And then when she, you know, she's on this show, I didn't feel or hear or, you know, the excitement just seemed to be down. Now it may just be the, the time, but uh I feel like they missed a, a little bit of a window with her if they were gonna take advantage of it. Well, she also didn't have a good match with, was it Nyla Rose at the pay-per-view, right? It was pretty, is that, that's who she wrestled in the last pay-per-view, I think. They didn't have a, a good match. So maybe, they, you know, she's just too green for that spot. But the four-way was, like I said, it was a mess. Um, the whole thing was ridiculous because this was for a title shot at Nyla Rose, who's at ringside that you don't focus on. Like, you would think you'd be a camera shot on the champion who's at ringside, which, by the way, she shouldn't be at ringside because the champion shouldn't be acting like fans. Same thing with MJF, who's the main eventer, should not be out there acting like fans. It's okay for the Joey Janela's of the world to be out there acting like fans, right? But not not your champion and your future main eventer. Um, but they shouldn't. They did nothing to establish that Nyla Rose is out there watching this match. They just kind of showed her early in the show. Um, but here's the thing, like we have rankings, right? Like in AEW, they talk about the rankings. It comes out every week. Akara, she is eight and two going to this match. The girls that she's ch- uh, wrestling to get this opportunity are four and four, four and three, and like three and one. Like by her record alone, she automatically gets a title shot. So why are we even waste our time? And it's Penelope Ford should not be wrestling right now. 
She's 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 a really attractive woman. I think she's a great valet. She's good as a valet. Um, poor Kit Saban continues to be a joke, which just frustrates the hell out of me. I think I think Saban could be something. I think he, I think he has some potential. Honestly, I I, I do like him. I just you know I just don't want to see him being like the joke, right? And and I didn't like the finish because one, the finish took too long to set up for Hikarashita to do that ba- that backbreaker. It took forever, and is the backbreaker is more devastating than the damn shining wizard she beat her with, like. And then Bray Baker has the the mandible claw, whatever the hell that thing is, on Statland on the outside. But it's a four way, it's one fault to finish. Like, why would you sit there and, <sighs> yeah, just just frustrating stuff, man. Um, but I like I like squashes. I liked um, I liked the VTR on the tag team division. I thought that was really cool. Um, the main event was okay i thought maybe Broly lee sold a little bit too much for chris christopher daniels poor chris daniels definitely showing his age out there um you know injuries are definitely piling up you know i know he has a bad wheel um but uh, i thought he had a little too much a little too much offense on Broly lee but i did like the closing i like Broly lee throwing his minions out like sacrificing them in front of moxie i like that stuff i thought that was that was was pretty good um what do you think about sammy Guevara's stuff like coming out with the the neck brace, coming out with the neck brace and getting and getting um, he gets spiked on his head and then he's out later. And it's just, I think he should have been off TV for at least a, a couple weeks selling this injury. He could have done some great v, uh, vignettes with him and some creative with him not actually wrestling for a while with this injury. And you can do like a match with him and Matt Hardy down the line. Um, but I know he has to wrestle the pay per view in a couple weeks, so maybe the golf cart spot was great maybe it wasn't really necessary for what you had coming up in the next couple of weeks yeah yeah it's interesting because i i think they still have you know there's no adam page there's no young bucks so their roster is a little short so yeah. you're kind of like oh you know i gotta get the guys on tv who who mean something so and then we have to talk about it the destruction of vanguard one that <laughs> <laughs> this is where i'm talking about where the show is a little bit too silly for me you have your top heel group. You're the baddest guys on your roster, right? Who's powerbombed Oxley through tables. Who's done all this devastating things, right? And I'm sure if I had a baseball bat in my hand, that damn drone came at me. I'd hit that thing out, out the home run like Mike Trout, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> but <laughs> first Mike Trout mention on a podcast, uh, on a wrestling podcast. But <laughs> shout out to my friend, Alec Carey, who's a big Angels fan. Um, but uh, so that's for so this is stupid as it is, right? The whole Vanguard one thing, anyways. So I'm cool. They break in it. They they hit it with a baseball bat. Okay, I'm fine with that. But then Matt Hardy runs out, and guess what happens? The heel unit, your top heel group, they just powder peel off. Yeah, <laughs> they have a freaking grudge pay-per-view match coming out here they can take advantage and beat one of them guys up right now and they powder because a distraught damascus matt hardy's alter ego comes out and they they had sympathy for poor matt hardy and his broken drone (laughs) and that one i just lost it garrett i just lost it i think i think i'm not saying they jump they're jumping the shark but I, i either tony connie's the we're going to rely on some people that know something here and there because I think he's just getting a little, everything's wacky. But then you can book these guys that are these wacky characters. So you're getting nothing but silliness, right? Like you, if you have a Matt Hardy and you let him do that gimmick, now you're just doing a bunch of ridiculous stuff. It's, 
So, so I don't know, man. My, my guess is that he probably feels like the serious stuff is not going to work right now. The problem with that mentality, though, is when you have to sell a pay-per-view, mm-hmm. you, there has to be some stuff that, that sticks, some stuff that the fans can sink their teeth into. And so they're in a weird, they're in a weird spot. Like, look, if he, um, if he was in a spot where we did not have this time and everything was normal, I think they do their war games and that's probably a really serious match. And you don't do as much silly stuff, but because we are in this spot, I think he feels that, you know, entertaining is entertaining. And if we take things super seriously, we're going to burn through stuff that really matters down the line. And I, I don't know. So someone should, you know, someone should talk to him about this. And and, and I, I would love to hear his thoughts. For the most part, like I've said in the last few weeks, I'm mostly entertained because I'm 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 not wanting to really take a lot of this stuff seriously and in some cases NXT is a little bit too serious for me but this week was just they they just went over overboard and mm-hmm. and you know even yeah, I I still sort of enjoyed certain things and you know I'm I'm kind of hanging out uh in in my office with the show on I put the the audio on my my Bluetooth uh, my my HomePod, which is a really a, a really uh, really good speaker, and so I'm kind of listening to it in the background, and I'm doing other stuff, and I'm lifting weights, and I'm not watching it as intently as I would, but listening to it, you know, listening to Jim, listening to, to Tony, listening to um, uh, what's McCoy, what's the other guy's name, Excalibur. Excalibur. It it's an entertaining listen, but then. In certain instances, it's just so silly that you're like, okay, like I don't, I don't really need to super pay attention to this stuff. So, you know, that I think hopefully they learn and they go, okay, there's a limit to how much silliness we can do. There's a limit to the fun we can have, and you know, we have to mix the seriousness with the goofiness. Yeah, and and plus, you know, they they need to expand their. They they want to get more eyes on them. They don't want. I feel like they're still booking to just their core audience instead of trying to maybe trying to capture the, the other people, you know, that, that maybe some newer fans that I just think they, and that frustrating. Next guy, so go back to, it's good to have Jim Ross back. I'll tell you that. Cause he definitely yeah. helps. He helps us mess out because he, I can tell when he's irritated or think something stupid and he has to say stuff. Like, it's just so funny. Like that entertains me. And Excalibur also needs to learn how to not like, just cause you have the booking sheet. Doesn't mean you jump the gun and talk about stuff before it damn near happens. Like, like, you know, Brody Lee goes out and gets the ring announcer at the end, the, the, to have uh, Dasha to have him announced as the, uh, the world champion. Right. And he's just like, almost has says what's going to happen. And, st- and I, I almost like, I, I almost feel like Jim Ross grabbed him. Like, don't say that. This is gonna. They, we want that to happen as like something that's you know organic, not like we have it booked. It was just some silly. I'm trying to remember. There was a callback to when someone did an enzigiri, and it, it was like a very exaggerated, like maybe it was a springboard or something. And Jim Ross mentioned Antonio and Nokia <laughs> yeah, last yeah, yeah, week, yeah. and there was a little bit of a callback because Jim over exaggerated a call for a move just to have fun with the idea that he screwed up the one from, from the last week. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I was like, you know what? Jim is still quick enough and he's still on his game mm-hmm. to do stuff like that, which makes me as a longtime fan and someone who watched last week's show laugh 
And and I just the, the, but the other thing I thought about was these goofy internet nerds are going to start making fun of him on Twitter for doing that, not understanding what what the joke was. I like that he said uh, that Tanahashi did a great <laughs> Snapdragon suplex as well, but he thinks uh, the, Omega uh, Omega does it better. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just his you know, opinion. Just what do you think opinion. about this Darby Allen Taz thing? I don't get it yet. We'll see. Well, I don't understand what their goal was in this promo because, you know, he, you know, Taz is trying to explain to him, like, you know, you got pinned, you pinned yourself, and you did your move, and Cody did a basic amateur move, a tilt, and you got caught. And then, like, Darby cuts him off, and it's like, he's like, I know what a tilt is. I was, I finished third in Ohio State finals. <laughs> and, I, and like, well, and then, but then, did you, what, in that, in the, uh, the 10 to 12 league? Like what? <laughs> like, how do you, if you know about the tilt, then why'd you get pinned? So now you, now you look like a, even more of a bigger idiot, you know? So I don't know what their, I don't know what their goal is. I hope, I hope Taz is not going to manage Darby. It just doesn't, wouldn't fit. My, my thought is Darby is off TV for a little bit. They don't know what to do with him. Mm. That, that's just, that was just when I first saw it a couple weeks ago, that was my thought. And also stood out too, like he's better at like produced promos with like you know like his what they've been doing him those little vignettes that he do. I think he's he's more affected there, but like just doing a standard a standard promo, it just he's not that strong. Yeah, he's but he he they definitely need to get him more reps though if mm-hmm. they think he's going to be one of the one of the yeah. younger topper top guys. Are you excited about Jake Roberts and R. Anderson having some kind of a debate next week? The 16 over club meeting that's going to happen. Uh, the battle of raspy voices. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm, I think it's going to be good because they're both professionals mm-hmm. they're, and, they're, and they're both great talkers. So it'll be it'll be fine. But, you know, it does uh, it does kind of shine a light on the fact that, you know, these guys are are, are old, wise and vets. And I just want to hear people Arn, tune in Arn say, you know, we uh, we, uh, you know, Worked hard, played hard, but when that when that time came, you know, like he always has that light on his podcast. He always talk goes back to that, which Arn's entertaining, but it, it should be fun. I'm hoping Cody has some kind of major promo or something too. I think you know something about his getting revenge for his wife. I know he did the you know I liked his aggression coming out of the truck and everything. I just wish there may have been a promo or something. That would have been that would have been cool. But what about, I wish. What about Mike Tyson? Being involved at, at the pay-per-view. This is interesting because, like, I mean, it must obviously this is a deal they had set up a long time ago before they even thought that they would have this issue with COVID and all that deal with this, this. So they're probably going through the deal, but it's just like, you know, I don't know how much newsworthy it is now, but, you know, it's still cool, though. You know, it's still cool to have, you know, Mike Tyson on the show. I'm hoping, though, dude, I'm when I saw when I saw that, I'm hoping, like, Tyson costs Cody the match. And like T- Cody can do Cody versus Tyson down the line <laughs> because remember we're supposed to get Joe Frazier and Dusty Rose we never did. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Maybe so maybe, if- maybe, maybe that's the uh, whole idea. Yeah, you're right. That's a nice that's a nice callback to so, 1984 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so that's what gets me excited about Mike Tyson. It's like my hope for Cody versus Mike Tyson because I think that would actually be pretty awesome. Well, you see those videos of Tyson. I know admits like ridiculous. Maybe he doesn't want to do the angle now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, that is it from here. Um, thanks to uh, Jeremy Botter from hanging out. 
thanks to John. And check back on Monday morning. We will have another episode of the Fight Game Podcast. So uh, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.